Today's program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. I'm Erin Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, July 29th, and this is the 73rd episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a third-generation food service professional and expert on tabletop trends, and I will introduce her in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, Then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to seek expertise. Hire experts when you need support. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Although you may be capable of doing everything on your own, there's a reason there are specialists. They provide a scale or service beyond the basics and can be beneficial. So get professional help when you need it. That's my tip today. Now, I'm really happy to have my guest here. It is Morgan Tucker, Senior Account Executive at Little M. Tucker, a division of M. Tucker and Singer Equipment Company, the largest food service distributor on the East Coast. After graduating with honors from Cornell University of Hotel Administration, Morgan worked for Danny Meyer's Union Square Hospitality Group and Steve Hansen's Be Our Guest Restaurant Group before joining her family business, M. Tucker. She currently oversees the largest and most successful distribution sales team in the company under the Little M. Tucker brand. So welcome, Morgan. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here and your whole crew. You brought them all out. Yeah, we rolled very deep. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly. So... You know, I wanted to find out to begin with, With so did you want to get into the family business? I mean, and were you, you, I also read that you loved the hospitality industry growing up, and so you were just drawn to it. But how did you end up working, working where, you know, a division of your family's company? Uh, absolutely. I grew up in love with hospitality and uh, restaurants, food service, but I had no intention of doing what my father did, which was being a CEO of a company and sitting behind a desk with a you know, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. job. So I idolized Steve Hansen, and that was what I wanted to be when I was a teenager. So I was totally discouraged from the business by my father, by my grandfather, by all my father's friends. And I worked my way up from uh, Burger King to the hotel school at Cornell and got uh, one of the wonderful positions with Danny Meyer. And after about a year with Danny Meyer, I decided that uh, Steve Hansen was a little more my style. I could uh, enact a lot more change quicker. 
spent some time managing a Blue Water Grill. And a little bit after that, my father said, uh, you ready? You ready to be with us for Thanksgiving and uh, holidays? And I said, uh, sure. Well, that's uh, great experience. So you were a manager at... at yep. My background okay. is full operations and Got beverage. It. Yeah, I have background in restaurant industry from waiting tables to managing. And I think it's very beneficial now to what I do today, doing PR for restaurants. So I would assume, you know, the experience pays off for you as well. Absolutely. The, the, The reason why we can relate to our customers so well is because we understand their struggles and we can commiserate with them. And it's, you know, one thing to be able to celebrate people's exciting moments and be there for their openings and their friends and families. But it's another thing to be there with them in the trenches or when they're signing the lease or when their walk in breaks down. Right. So you joined your family's company, M. Tucker, and what, what was your role when you first joined? Um, I was just sales. I actually studied under a wonderful salesperson who tragically passed away recently, but he was a, a beautiful mentor, and he kind of showed me that you just got to do it your own way and be strange and think outside the box and come up with something unique. And after just a couple months with him, I decided that I could do this on my own. I called up my Cornell Hotel School network of managers and operators, and I said, let me sell you something. And I didn't even know what I was selling, but I just figured that I would be more responsive and more knowledgeable than their current salesperson, and I would care about them more and their well-being. And turns out I figured out how to learn the products after. That's, that's very cool. And it's true. I mean, I think sales, it's about relationships. All about relationships. Yeah. So, so tell me more about your company, this very large company in food service and you, all the products that you sell to restaurants. Absolutely. So, uh, Little M. Tucker is a division of Singer, which is what M. Tucker is as well. So, M. Tucker was my grandfather's business and uh, my father sold the business to Fred Singer, who owns a $250 million food service distributor company. And that's everything from heavy equipment to small wares to tabletop supplies, paper goods, janitorial products. And about two years ago, after the transition kind of cleared and my father was on his way out, I kind of looked at the landscape and said, well, I don't really want to be selling toilet paper. You know, what's, what do the next 10 years look like for me? And I decided to kind of form my own team of people and then my own company to work as kind of tabletop consultants and food service equipment consultants and sell products that way. I love it. And I love the name every time I'm like, Little M. Tucker. Thanks. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> figured, uh, you it's know, catchy. make it a little girly, make the logo pink, and just figured that we would kind of take my family's legacy, but update it. So how do you, how do you work with restaurants? Like, when do you come into the process and and what I don't know from looking at the website, there are a lot of of products that you guys can offer restaurants. So, what do you particularly focus on? Is it the tabletop? Is it the flatware? And and how does the how does the process work? I'm kind of fascinated Absolutely. by it. <laughs> we can come in at any time, but our biggest value is if we come in, you know, during inception. We can look at everything that someone's considering using and advise them. Or we can help them source unique, different products that kind of speak to their story. 
And especially we find that today people spend so much time on their design and their build, and they want to find authentic products, but they're not sourcing the appropriate products for the rigors of food service. So what Singer and Tucker do is they work with people in the back of house, chefs, restaurateurs, designers, and help source the right heavy equipment. And then we come in and we work with anyone who wants to talk to us about the plateware, glassware, flatware, and everything else you see that a guest would interact with. And how does that process work with with sitting down with a restaurant? Because on your site or on the M Tucker site, it said you had over two hundred manufacturers you work with. So that we have t- over two thousand manufacturers who work with. I think. Okay, I was totally overwhelmed by the two hundred, <laughs> two thousand. Like, no. So how do you how do you suggest products for people? Is it like a big flip book you go through, or do you you know like? It's really tailored to the customer that we're working with. We want to speak to the authentic nature of what they're trying to present. And we also want to put them in something that is the right price point and just fits what they're looking for. So we have our preferred manufacturers, which is people who are going to really take care of our customers, give them the right prices, give them the right packages, be there in the long run if they need something tomorrow. And then we have specialty brands that we work with to source singular, unique products as well. So what's an example of someone you've recently worked with that, that you've helped on this process? A customer? A customer. Someone. Um, I guess we can speak to uh, Katie, who works with me, just opened uh, Rosie's. And oh, okay. that was a wonderful experience of working with the team to find unique, different products that you wouldn't know are super affordable. I've been to Rosie's. Yeah. Mexican. Very down cool, in East right? Village. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So I'm thinking like like specific items that would be good for tortillas or I don't know or exactly just margaritas. There's metal. There's plastic. <laughs> there's enamel. There's china. There's everything that you can think of on the table. Just really finding that, you know, or, organic, personal. Right, and then once once a new place opens, are you there for maintenance? To you know, absolutely. Okay. Yep, we're there to continue sourcing when there's new menu items we're there to take reorders of existing products we've sold and we're there to answer questions on anything that you know we've sold them small wares paper goods there's always new products coming out what's so incredible about our business and what internet has done for our industry is that product gets to the restaurateurs and gets to us so much faster so it's not like we have to wait till the trade shows. In, in the right. old days, you had to wait till the November trade show came around or NRA in Chicago in March, and then you can go and see everything and touch it and feel it and play with it. And now it's completely different. You have access to every product all the time as soon as they come out. Before, That's true. Yeah, and especially, yeah. you know, I, John Miles from Steelite introduced us a while ago. Yeah, and, you shout know, Steelite's the per- shout out to John. <laughs> Steelite's the perfect example of someone who, before things are even released, we have orders in to get them into stock. Yeah, no, the internet has changed things. I could totally see that. Is there, what, so what's new and trending now? What are you particularly excited about? Any product? Um, I I think we're excited about glassware again. I know that this dinnerware has been such a focus. Everyone's talked about finding handmade products. And we have handmade, you know, local potters that we work with from, you know, places as far as custom products from Thailand and everywhere in between. 
but glassware is really becoming you know another way to express things uniquely and different and for so long there was just traditional glassware companies and now we've had a couple new real powerhouses of modern design come in and hopefully affect change in the you know collection okay i'm gonna look for them yeah (laughs) great okay so we're gonna take a little break here and come back talk some more with morgan so stay with us this is all in the industry on heritage radio network program was brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards and Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Morgan Tucker, Senior Account Executive at Little M. Tucker. We're talking tabletop, flatware, um, food service, all lots of stuff. So... I know you travel a lot. What's what's a day in the life? And and uh, are you? Is it flip between being in front of a computer and then doing a lot of you know site visits and on the road? Absolutely. Um, I have a, a wonderful team of people who work with me who kind of ambushed you at the studio today. <laughs> oh, they, all, I, they all really came for the pizza, but no, it was great. I didn't. I. I well, how many people are part of your team? So I have six people outside and then about 10 of us overall taking care of, you know, new business and maintenance. So for the, getting back to my question or the whole team, like what's a day in the life? So everyone else's days are pretty similar um, day to day, making sales calls, answering requests on, you know, on the phone, email, order entry. And then we have, you know, customer service support inside um, it's my schedule that's crazy, and uh, no two days are the same, which is what I really love about the business. That's that's I have, that's how I describe my my life. Yeah, <laughs> we talk about all the crazy yeah. you know shows that we go to and how many events we've seen each other at. But I try to attend you know every conference that I can, every industry event. I travel to all my factories, especially in the summer. I'll travel a lot between you know going upstate to the Catskills just to get some time away. And, right. And then running around the country and the world and trying to source new, unique, different products and work with different vendors and even just visiting, you know, my traditional purveyors and understanding more about how the products are made, where they come from. Right. No, that's good. And I, I love also, I noted, we saw each other 
other at the Welcome Conference, and you have a blog on your website, too. You wrote a little bit about it, and I think that's great that that you you do that as well, some writing about what's happening in in the industry. Absolutely. So the blog is actually a a couple of us writing. I have... um, Katie McNamara and Tess Rex, who both write, you know, wonderful columns on the blog as, as I, well as I do. And I also have a column in Total Food Service magazine, Little M. Tucker. And that's great. We just try to get, you know, what we're doing out there. I think people really like to know what their peers are doing or their contemporaries are doing or what's hot, what's different, what's unique. And the website isn't to sell anything. It's not to try to you know, solicit anything. It's just to engage our customers, engage new customers, and let people kind of into our lives and see what we do. People still don't know, you know, what is a food service consultant or, you know, supplies distributor. People know that they call, you know, 1-800-M-TUCKER and they can get, you know, film with our logo on it. But they don't know that they can come to us when they're looking to find a unique, different product or find something that's really missing from their tablescape. What what area do you service beyond New York City or the whole Northeast or worldwide? Are you worldwide? <laughs> <laughs> Eventually. Um, we're national. We, okay. we have um, warehouses in Miramar, Florida, um, Elverson, Pennsylvania, uh, all along the eastern seaboard. We service uh, with our own fleet of trucks most of the time and then national distribution as well. Most of the accounts that I work on are actually not in New York these days. Ah. And it's just because there's a lot of action with New York-based groups and companies expanding outside of the metropolitan area. Interesting. Because I was thinking your clients were mostly based in New York. Yeah. um, For the team in general, yes. But for me specifically, no. Ah. Good to know. Yeah. So what do you enjoy most about working with chefs and restaurants? Um, I just think the artistic nature of what they do and the collaboration, it's exciting to hear someone's vision and have the opportunity to work with different people every day. And, you know, to be in hospitality, you obviously have to love people, but we're in such a unique situation where we get to work with all different types of people from the receivers to the purchasers, the chefs, the restaurateurs. And you really get to know your clients, but not too much that you're in the trenches with them every day. Right. So I, are, your, are you dealing mostly on these decisions with chef owners, with uh, front-of-the-house owners? I think there's been a little switch over the past several years with there's being more chefs making the decisions and kind of owning and running, running their places where back in the day it was more hosts. Yeah, I mean, about 10 years ago when I started doing this, it was a lot of the chefs were making the plateware decisions, and then the operators and the restaurateurs were making the other table decisions. Now that everyone is a foodie and every plate gets photographed and we're in such a, you know, social world, every single person wants to be involved in every single decision, which is, you know, a catch-22. Yeah, there's a lot of decisions in opening a restaurant and picking your plateware and And it's everything. wonderful because when I started doing this, we were an afterthought. People would spend all this money on design and architecture and construction, and then they would run out of money at the end, and they wouldn't spend it on plates, forks, the, the things that the guests actually 
you know, interacting with and touching. So anyone who can bring any attention to tabletop, we love because whether it's supporting someone who sells directly or like a handmade, you know, local artisan, if, whether it's bespoke or, or something that we run in huge runs in the Orient, we just anyone who's paying attention to what we do, we love. Yeah, and we talked about I had on John O. Pandolfi on my show, and yeah. I know his like the Nomad collection that he or he he did the plates initially for the Nomad. Mm-hmm. Now there's a Nomad collection, and yeah. I think people do just request that collection they want you know it's kind of there's this trend that of of that i know um are you seeing that 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 you get these requests for people like oh i want what he has or (laughs) i think that's the value that we bring is that we can kind of work with someone and said i want i like the feel of that i want to try to do what you know what daniel home is doing with this dish and we can try to come up with a different presentation a more unique not, nothing's more unique than what he does, but come up with you know just something different. And if you're looking to just replicate someone else's work, we're really not the people for you. We're really here to help you come up with something inventive and unique and different, and and that's what gets us excited. Yeah, I can see that. But you know we don't we're not retail. We're strictly commercial food service. We can't like Jono can. Uh, you know, trust me, I use a lot of Jono stuff in my home, <laughs> and I give it as gifts all the time, but. What we sell is is really for large format food service. Right. Are there any challenges of working with with chefs, or or what are the biggest challenges of working with chefs? Um, I think it's often not because of us, but chefs, you know, we show them the world. I mean, most chefs have seen, you know, privileged chefs have seen a lot, but, you know, we have everything at our disposal. You want to find a unique plate from Thailand that has a reactive gem glaze and comes in a specific Pantone, we can get it for you. But your operator's going to hate us when we tell you it's $50. So I think that that's really the challenge these days is that everyone's trying to one-up someone else. And what we're trying to do is keep the artisan, unique nature of each dish and kind of make sure that we're in line with the budget and the vision of everyone. Right, the budget. The budget. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you the question I had from last week. Now, this is very appropriate on this super hot summer day. <laughs> We're going to talk about soup. So on episode 72, I had on Adam Sachs. He's the editor-in-chief of Sever Magazine. Now, he, he wants to know, is there a middle ground between the giant bowl of soup and the little shooter, because he's really looking for that perfect size middle ground. We were talking like Goldilocks. He wants the perfect, yep. perfect one. Um, so what's your take on So I, I kind of cheated because I'm like a hotelie. I'm not a foodie. So I obviously <laughs> did my homework and listened to previous episodes. Um, so I guess the answer that I really came up with was it's such a different world now. People used to buy a collection, right? They would walk into a showroom and they say, I like this collection. And they would order everything that existed from the 10-ounce soup bowl to the 16-ounce pasta bowl, maybe a cereal bowl. They would get an entire, and the seven and a half coffee cup would be the option, and the three-ounce espresso cup would be the option. And that's what they were selecting, a collection of products. Like a set. A set. Yeah. And now people don't do that. Everything is perfectly selected for one particular dish or you're not buying sets anymore. So people kind of 
they get so excited and, and they buy pieces for specific dishes, but they're not really thinking about portion size and moving forward kind of how does this translate into a seasonal menu and if you're lucky enough that you can just you know call Jono and say actually you know we need 48 new this for for a new menu dish that's that's wonderful but most of our customers can't do that they they buy their dinnerware for their opening and they're lucky if they can supplement with a piece here or there because they're wildly successful right and when you find out what you know what's the perfect dish traditionally it was a 10 ounce soup cup and a 16 ounce soup bowl with a rim and the cup without a, without a rim. And that really is the right portion size. It's just people don't really buy sets anymore. They're not buying a 12-and-a-half-ounce cereal bowl anymore. So you think chefs are going about, they're saying, I want to offer my guests a huge bowl of soup, or they want to do the shooter, they're choosing that, and versus the old I think they're the choosing old, that. I think the they're, or they're choosing this big bowl so they're, you know, they can do that artistic presentation of something very small in this large bowl, or... I don't. I don't get a lot of shooters where where I go. Soup, I think. I think um, tasting menus is yeah. when I see see the shooters. But I'm an a la carte diner. You'll hear that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, I guess. I guess. I hope Adam. I think he'll be satisfied with that answer. I have a feeling he needs to. If you're listening, Adam, I think maybe you need to call up like Jono and say, "Hey, I want my Adam Sex soup bowl." Made for me. We can have it at Sever. <laughs> or we can just send you a couple of good ones. Okay. Yeah. Either way. Good to know. Our pleasure. All right. So we're going to take another break here. We're going to come back. We're going to do my speed round game and talk some industry news. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. HeritageRadioNetwork.org is a nonprofit organization, which means they depend on the support of listeners like you and like me. The best way you can support this program and others like it is to visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org, as I have, and click the Donate button to become a member today, as I have. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support. Okay, we're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Morgan Tucker. We're going to do my speed round game. So, Morgan, as I think you know, I name two things and you pick your preference. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat out. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Wine. Tasting menu a la carte. A la carte. All the way. I'm a pescatarian, so it's very hard for me to eat. Tasting menu. Tasting menu. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Small plates or large plates? More plates. More small plates, but more more plates in general. No, that's a good, I mean, that is a good one for you for, I mean, considering what you do, I would be curious to know which you preferred, but 
Oh, more plates. I like it. Okay. Yeah. How about communal table or chef's counter? This is such a challenge. I know that you say that you like sitting at a bar. I love sitting at a bar. Um, I like a communal table because I really like talking to other people and getting their experience. Um, I don't really go just for the food to restaurants. I know that's kind of weird, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm really about the experience. I, I grew up eating out like 350 nights a year. So my father worked, my mother worked. And I, I guess... I can't really just. You can have I like both. a chef's club table too. So okay, yeah, I can't. Just but I, I get that. I, I definitely don't just go for the food when I dine out. It's the experience, which is why if I was playing the game, I would be an eat out because I, I just love, I love restaurants and the whole, the whole concept. Yeah. So I and get that. And if you that. go to the same restaurants enough, they, they feel like home. Yeah. <laughs> and when you meet at a chef's table, I mean, it's it's so cool to get to speak to the chefs. We're privileged that we have relationships with chefs and, and we get that interaction all the time. But I know how much it means to, you know, friends of mine and people that I know when, when the chef comes out and they get to meet the chef or hear about, you know, how the dish came to fruition from the chef himself. Right. But I guess. Okay. Maybe, yeah. We'll keep going. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Tipping, over tipping, over tipping. Yes, I started as a teenager making no money and working in a Burger King. So, tipping. Yeah, tip. people in, who've worked in the food service get it. Yeah. Stemmed or stemless wine glasses for red or white? Oh, I want both. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's actually this amazing new company that we started working with, Nude Glassware, and they make this this glass that is two in one so you can turn it over upside down it's a red wine glass and a white wine glass and it kind of has this stem thing going i'm in love with it okay but um i guess i still like a stemmed glass when i'm eating out i guess my only eating in preference is when i'm home i like a you know a big red and i like to hold it in my hands okay but stemmed i didn't know that you were going to add a component to it but i love it how about plastic or paper straws? I like something like really pretty, fun, different, unique paper. Cool. And we have some great options with designs and... Good to yeah. know, because I've noticed the paper's paper, a trend. The paper's a trend, and I usually don't give so much my opinion, but I don't like the paper. Everywhere I go now, I see the paper. Yeah, what do you think of Stainless. I'm not sure. Okay. The paper, is the, it's the feel in my mouth. I think they're pretty, though. Mm-hmm. They're definitely pretty. I give them that. They, they're, they're colors. They're swirls. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I will have to test it out. Stainless. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Okay. Two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Dessert. <laughs> and Manhattan or Brooklyn? Manhattan. And Manhattan the drink and Manhattan the place. Even though I do love Brooklyn. I'm... I've, always lived in Manhattan. Fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, you did good. Thanks. Okay, so let's talk some industry news. Big story this week. New York Times <laughs> came out with The Four Seasons Space, Space Gets a New Younger Face by Jeff Gordon It's been everywhere, this news now, that The Four Seasons, which is has been a Manhattan powerhouse restaurant since 1959, 
uh, is uh, changing ownership. The major food group, which is chefs Mario Carbone, Rich Teresi, and business partner Jeff Zelaznik, will be taking over in July. And um, yeah, what do you think? It's a big, big story, big, big transition. Yeah, I actually had shared with you on social media, and I think my thought is just what Ben Leventhal said. I, th- I think he couldn't have written a better response. I really, you know, at, at the end of the day, we're all rooting for them. You know, it's the New York City landmark, and if you love New York, you want them to succeed. And a, a good friend of mine, and actually the brother-in-law, Tess's brother-in-law, um, Adam Landsman, works with Major Food Group, and oh, okay. he's just, he's wonderful. So I'm sure they'll do great things, but I wish them luck. And Yeah, well, there's been a few people have written articles. I saw Ben's, and he's, I guess his basic tape was... He thought it was a logical step. Um, he questioned. He's what did he say? He thought the name choice would be key. Key. Um, and I agreed with what he wrote. I my reaction when I saw the news was I was surprised, and yet I was I totally thought it made sense as soon as I read it. Like they're this this young dynamic restaurant group. The guys are all in their thirties, and they've been on fire. Like they're you know between. Carbone and Dirty French and Santina, they keep in Parm, they keep opening places. And they're like this hot restaurant group that makes delicious food, gets a great crowd, great, uh, like creates a scene. I don't know. I think they're, they're pretty brilliant in what they're doing. And so, I mean, to take over, it's a huge, this is like a huge thing for them. But I think it's really cool. I mean, I think that it wasn't going to go to one of the, you know, old school usual suspects so i think that it's a it's a great choice yeah well Let's see what happens i mean it's been and, and for people that don't know the background i mean the future of the four seasons has been talked about with so the owner abby rosen who owns the secret building he's um he's expressed that he's wanted uh, the owners the current owners right he's been vocal that that there was going to be a change yeah, and that's uh, Julian Nicolini and Alex Von Bitter. So they're, from what I've read, they're going to look for another space, and we'll see what happens with that. But, um, I mean, the Four Seasons is, I mean, have you been there? I have been there, but not recently, not as an adult professional. So I've been there for, I did a power lunch once, and then I've been there from for, like, James Beard did a, a gala dinner last year and and back in the pool room and it's just such a beautiful restaurant so i'm excited to see what happens and i think more people are going to keep expressing their opinion about about it and we'll have to see what name they come up with and and just don't make it as overstated as it doesn't need to be yeah well i think i don't know that i also was reading out like i mean this is where the millionaires go are they gonna want this you know are they gonna embrace it and I don't know. I think millionaires probably will be fine with it. <laughs> I, I, mean, I think that's kind of their crowd, you know, a lot of their crowd yeah. right now. It's yeah, yeah. They do a, a wonderful job with beautiful presentations, but by no means are most of their restaurants. I guess I Parm's not really my... but No, but I'm their like, restaurants are not are not cheap. They right. are expensive restaurants. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I've quality. Owned, I mean, quality and quality. great experiences. I've, I've had a great time at, at all of them that I've been to. So that's exciting. I'm I'm excited for them. So we'll see. This will happen 
in July. So we have a little time ahead of us, <laughs> about a year to talk about it some more. Um, other news, which was exciting, was uh, also in the New York Times about how Union Square Cafe is taking over the city crab space. And this was by Julia Moskin. So Union Square Cafe um, is leaving its original location. They've been looking for a new space and they, they were able to find something with that's right around Union Square, which I think was what they wanted. And um, I thought I thought that made sense, too, even though, I mean, I haven't been to City Crab since I think I I moved to New York. I've never been to City Crab, but I had, that's, that Union Square Cafe space has a very special place in my heart because it's the back alley that they share with Blue Water Grill. So I left many late nights oh. with pepper spray in hand from that little back alley. Oh. Yeah. So it's going to be, like they already have a new tenant for Union Square Cafe, but... I read that. It was a name of a Japanese noodle shop that I can't pronounce. <laughs> it's, I'm going to try. <laughs> Suru Tontan. Sounds okay to me. Okay. So, yeah, they got a new tenant, and I mean, this is so... Danny Meyer asked that it said that he he's you know take take not only taking over the space but he's going to offer jobs. For, I mean, he's just a beautiful human. I he mean, is. Yeah, he's offering no jobs for all the employees at City Crab. He's going to look out for them. And he's a wonderful, loyal customer of ours. We're, we're we couldn't be more excited to you know have a bigger bigger space for Union Square Cafe. That's for sure. Yeah. No, I'm a huge Danny Meyer fan, and I think this. Um, yeah, I hadn't. I don't know. I I don't know what's been happening with City Crab all these years. It's like, it's maintained, because yeah, but it's it's not something that's really written about or buzzed about. So, seems like a good new new home without an alleyway. Yeah, and and still close to the farmers market. I think that that was mm-hmm. the key factor here. Yeah, very true. So yeah, that was the news. And just before we take break, I also I saw today that Sam Cass, the former White House chef, is now going to be a senior food analyst for NBC News. And I thought that was exciting because like Tom Cleekio is with MSNBC being a food correspondent. So it's a little trend happening, and uh, I'm excited for Sam and to see what he's doing there. So just throw that out there. Okay, so we're going to take another break here, come back and do my solo dining experience. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience, which this week is at Seymour's. 
Here's the rundown. Ah. <laughs> Seymour's. Do you do you service them? Um, no, we don't. But we um, we like them a lot, and uh, we work with the meatball shop a little bit. We were actually on the. I don't know if you. I asked you about that oh, show. Consumed. No, um, the TV, consumed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, we Our talked about it. Designers were on consumed. Awesome. I, ha- I have a little bit on that in my little spiel here. Yeah, so all right. Yeah. So solo dining was at Seymour's. So here's the rundown. The location. 390 Broom Street in Nolita, NYC. The concept, beachy, relaxed eatery serving sustainable seafood inspired by Montauk fish shacks. Guests can mix and match proteins, sauces, and sides or order from a list of dishes. The owner, Michael Chernow, co-owner of the meatball shop. Why did I go? Because I'm a fan of sustainable seafood and Michael. My experience... On a recent Friday night, I found a seat at the crowded bar and happening restaurant. I could feel the energy when I arrived. I saw Michael working the floor, and we were able to chat a bit. He's a hardworking guy who always has a smile on his face. I ordered from the bartender, who was very busy making fresh cocktails, uh, but it was a really good experience. What did I get? Well, since it's a fish taco sort of place, that's what I got. Big crispy fish tacos that came two to an order with cabbage, guacamole, chipotle mayo, and the fish was dogfish. I also had a club soda. My take. Yum. Super (laughs) fresh fish with the right amount of fixins. The scene. I'd say 20 to 40s stylish crowd. Perfect for seafood lovers. Interesting tidbit. Michael is currently filming a new TV show being produced by Bethany Frankel called Food Porn. He was also recently on Consumed, the real restaurant business on CNBC. With his good looks and personality, I see why the camera loves him. Personal fun fact. I still don't like corn tortillas. I (laughs) ate the filling out of the tacos again. The cost, $18. However, I paid $12.60, not including tax and gratuity, because Michael gave me a little discount. Thank you very much. Would I go back? For sure. Website is Seymour's.com. Yeah, so he's he's loved by the camera. And did you know about um, the food porn show he's doing? I know a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he told me when I saw him that he's... I mean, he is always smiling, and he's and he doesn't look exhausted ever. And he was like, "Yeah, I, I shoot all day this show, and then I come here. I'm just like, and he has how? a baby. Right? He has a new baby. I'm like, how are you balancing this whole thing? He just makes he's making it look easy for for other restaurateurs. But yeah, I would definitely go back and try more things. Awesome. So okay, so it's time for the final question. Now, my next guests are owner Jimmy Carbone, who also has a fabulous show on Heritage Radio Network called Beer Sessions Radio, and Chef King Fojana Kong. He's the, also the owner of Kuma Inn and Umi Nam. Now, they have collaborated from Jimmy's number 43 and re- recently launched a new menu called Tito King's Kitchen at Jimmy's. So... This is going to be cool because I've known well, I've known Jimmy for a while and I've known King too and they're now collaborating on this this new concept. So Morgan, I want to see if you could ask a question for them. Yeah. So um, I guess my question would be more towards the sustainability farming thing that 
Jimmy's doing, um, and it's such a trend now. And what we do, we have plates that are now more sustainable than other plates, made in you know more eco process. So my question would be, you know, I know how to differentiate in what I do, what really is sustainable and, and what's not, right? Like, don't buy melamine; it's terrible for the environment. And my question would be, you know, how do you differentiate the people who are kind of doing the right thing with sustainability or from the people who are just using it as kind of a buzzword or a marketing ploy in their operation? Good question. Thanks. Makes me think of people like, I don't know, like gluten, gluten-free, like people that are just saying things are gluten-free just right. as a marketing tool. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, and you visit some of these, you know, farms upstate and... You know, you can see that, you know, obviously you can't be 100% reliant on some places because you don't know what their harvest is going to be, but right, it's important to, you know, know who's really trying to do the right thing and, and who is and who kind of just says they are. Oh, great. I will ask them. You can tune in next week to find out what they have to say. Absolutely. And thank you so much for being a guest today. Thank it's you been, so much for having me. It's been really great, and I wish you continued success in all you, that you're doing, I think. You provide a great service for the industry. Well, thank you. Have fun. Yeah, I think you. I, I can tell that, too. So my guest today has been Morgan Tucker. She's the senior account executive at Little M. Tucker, a division of M. Tucker and Singer Equipment Company. Her website is littlemtucker.com, also mtucker.com. Social media, her handles are at littlemtucker and at M. Tucker Co. She also has a Pinterest account that you should check out. What's the Pinterest under? Little M. Tucker. Little M. Tucker. Can't miss it. For me, you can follow me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry, and my website is BayerPublicRelations.com. Now, for the closing, I would like to thank my show's fabulous engineer, Liz Smith. Today's break music was provided by Mama Razi, and the show's theme song is Broke Down by the California Honey Drops. Also, thank you, listener, for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends to subscribe to the show on iTunes, and feel free to get in touch with us at heritageradionetwork.org. Next up, we have a teaser clip of Danny Bowian of Mission Chinese Food talking the intersection of food and family on Eat Your Words, another great show found here on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. You've been listening to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Till next week, have a good one. Stay cool. Bye. You know, we weren't the most well-off family growing up, so we, we always ate at home. We didn't go out to restaurants that often. Acclaimed chef Danny Bowian of Mission Chinese has fond memories of food and family. And, and my mom cooked, you know, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and yeah. I was just so fascinated. I'd always stand in the kitchen and cook with my mom, which is, um, it was amazing. You know, it was like really cool. Uh, it was a good time that we always spend that time together, and I think that's what really inspired me to to want to cook. And, and it was cool because for that, you know, hour and a half that we ate, or hour that we ate every night, you know, the whole family was there, and my dad was there and he worked, so I got to see him and talk to him. So it was cool. I thought, I always thought that, like, cooking and bringing people together, um, being able to hang out with your friends or your family is, is really important. I think that was one of the major reasons that I wanted to cook. I didn't know that once I started cooking, I would never see my family or friends, because I'd be cooking all the time, but, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but you know, it's, uh, you, you see them when they come to the restaurant. You're fostering friendship and family for other people, right, I guess, right, right, in right. good times. Yeah. 
This was an excerpt of episode 100 of Eat Your Words, hosted by Kathy Irway. All episodes available on heritageradionetwork.org and iTunes. This piece was brought to you by escapemaker.com. Visit a farm, escape through the net, escapemaker.com. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Listening, 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 listening.